Welcome back to another episode of Unpack That with Brie and Kat. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to be discussing, we want to be a little bit more transparent with you guys. We were kind of talking about just different things that we can do on the pod to be more personable with y'all. And we figured kind of starting with talking about kind of our backstory and where we've come from and some of the struggles and things that we've gone through in life might be a good starting point to kind of relate to y'all. So there's more of like relatability and personality right. behind You see where the opinions and yeah. such are coming from and <laughs> yeah, exactly. understand a little bit better. So we're going to get right into it. Yeah. So Starting today, with Brie today. Yes. I'm the lucky one. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go first and talk about the trauma and the things that we've gone or I've gone through. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of talk about how I got to where I'm at with my bodybuilding career because it wasn't always rainbows and butterflies and I wasn't always super healthy and into fitness and where I am mm-hmm. today. So we're going to start with drug addiction. Drug addiction. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's going to see this no. coming, but um, <laughs> I used to shoot shoot dope in my arms. So oh, no. yeah, no arms. <laughs> just ripping it off like a band-aid. <laughs> I was a junkie. Straight into it. <laughs> Talk a little more about that. So yeah. Um, when it, did you start? What What got you into it? What got me into it actually was because my, I used to play softball. Okay. And so I had really bad shoulder pain mm-hmm. and some more trauma. I had originally, like a couple of years before, tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And so, like, everything was, I was flagged, like, my, the, the doctors, because I use my own medication. Like, you can't really, like, get things prescribed once you've committed suicide because they're, like, it's on your radar already. Right. It's like on your, your history. So I can't really go to like my doctor and be like, Hey, I need painkillers again. They're like, Oh, well like a year ago you literally took them all to try to die. So that's a big no. (laughs) That's a negative. Yeah. (laughs) So, and I just kind of dealt with the pain. Um, didn't want to go back to the doctors and like get painkillers or any of that. And so, it just got to the point where it was so unbearable. I really wanted to play. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get a scholarship. I wanted to move up to varsity, do all the things. And my, it was my old friend's mom. She had Norcos and she was selling them. And so my ex, he knew her and him and he was like, Hey, like we can just go over there and get some. So it started innocent just going over and like kind of getting them just to like ease my shoulder pain since right. all I could get was like extra strength ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. And um, then it just like was like popping them and then it moved to snorting them because that was like more of an instant release instead of just like waiting for them to kick in by taking them orally like you're supposed to do. Yeah. And then once the Norco was just kind of, it started instead of being like one, it was like five a day, six a day. And then we were like, okay, this is not doing it. So we moved up to a higher drug with like Percocets. Mm-hmm. And then we were just messing around with like all that type of stuff and drinking and partying. And this is kind of where my life kind of slowly started to go down where I was like more interested in partying and drinking. I still played softball. How old were you? Oh my God, all dude. I was a junior in high school, like freshman, six, sophomore. 17? Seven. No, six, no. 15, 16. I think that's 15, 16. Yeah, because I started doing, um, <clears throat> I started drinking and smoking weed heavily when I was in 13. And so it went, I started with that and then I moved up to harder drugs when I was, it was my end of my sophomore year. Cause so we're, I went to school freshman, we're still in the junior high. And so mm-hmm. I still played for high school softball, but I was in the junior high campus, but I wasn't really around high schoolers yet. But 
the end of my freshman year is when, so it would have been freshman year. I apologize, not sophomore. That's when I started taking them just for the pain. And then when I was out of softball season, it, the shoulder pain would go away. And then the next year, it just started constantly. So that's when it started getting more heavily into it. Mm-hmm. So it would have been sophomore, so probably like 15. Okay. Um, and so it was just doing pills, drinking, partying, just like what normal kids would do. It was nothing like crazy until I started having to get them constantly because obviously you develop an addiction to it. Right. And the more that you use it, the less that it's going to help right. your shoulder Tolerance pain. Builds. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> then that escalated eventually, um, my junior year to oxys, oxycotton, which that was a whole different an- animal because that's like opiates and my whole friend group, we all got addicted to oxys and we were buying like 10 packs a day and just, it was not good. Then went through a little cocaine stint. <laughs> it was just the razzle dazzle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, went through a little Molly <laughs> phase too when I was raving a lot. And then that was in between. So I kind of got off painkillers and then I started going into like Molly and cocaine and then cocaine was just way too expensive for like a 14 year old to upkeep. So I was like, okay, Uh, (laughs) I'm not not laughing. This is like, (laughs) you can't fund cocaine on a Wendy's salary. Okay. (laughs) I know. I was thinking like, I was working at Cracker Barrel. Like I can't imagine trying to fund that on $7 an hour. Like, yeah, I was working, uh, yeah, seven, seven twenty-five. Um, my whole, check would be gone on like one bag of coke so i was like all right no it, this it is really not, is yeah, this is not it so we moved on to oxys which still was a little bit more expensive but all my friends were addicted to it so we'd just buy them in bulk and it would be cheaper and then they'd sell them and then you can kind of like flip it and make more money right and that's kind of how we would like fund it um so we did that for a while and then i ended up dropping out of school my junior year to do online school i didn't do online school i just stopped yeah. doing school completely And then I started working full-time, which helped me fund my habit even more. But what had happened in Idaho is they had a huge drug bust, and it took all the oxys off of the street. And so when that happened, we were all opiate addicts and addicted to opiates, and we Mm. couldn't get, like, our fix. So one of my friend's dads had gone and picked up a bunch of heroin. And so... Casually. Casually. And then casually was like, here young kids oh my God. you guys can try this and sell it and if you sell this then like it's it the high is the same as oxys and it's way cheaper and you can get it so jail immediately yeah i think he ended up going to jail i hope so i think he went to federal i prison. hope he went I, to prison yeah it's, yeah because it was deserved disgusting. yeah like you just ruined people's yeah, lives literally so we all got addicted to heroin and it was not it was it was ugly yeah it was not a good time like i just watched all of my friends just <clears throat> go from deteriorate yeah Yeah. like they literally go from a normal person like to zombies it was you you would talk to them and there was nothing there it was just like just dead inside how long did you like see like the change between like going from i'm not even gonna say the less hard things but like but the less the pills and things like yeah like to the heroin like when did you start to like see like yourself and like other people like going downhill like super fast or Honestly, I guess just more noticeable. I feel like it was within a matter of weeks. Really? It was really, really quick. Yeah. Because when you compare the high of heroin to other drugs, it's not like any other drug. It is mm-hmm. very, very addictive, and it's probably the best high that you'll ever feel. Yeah. Because it's so, you just feel like relaxed almost. Like, it's yeah. kind of like, you know when you get an adrenaline rush and you get like that rush? Yeah. It's kind of like that, and you just feel really at ease after that. Yeah. And so, but it's, 
that's like you're chasing that feeling and mm -hmm. it's not very long. And so I feel like that's the addicting part of it. Yeah. It's like you're just chasing that. Chasing to feel good. Yeah. It's not even like the drug. The feeling you're chasing of like the feeling. Peace yeah. And like just not being stressed <clears throat> and just being calm. But yeah, it was it was quick compared to other drugs because it's so addicting. Yeah. So it, it was went like, from, oh, we found the one. Yeah. Like, it went but, like I'd say within like a month or two, like my friends started, you could tell they were like going down the drain. Like they're they get bags in their eyes, they wouldn't sleep, they'd be up like all night trying to get drugs, trying to get money. They were like hustling, stealing, doing anything they possibly could to get money to fund this addiction. Yeah. And it was scary because like all these people I'd grown up with, I didn't even recognize them, including yeah. myself. I'm like spending all my money on drugs. Yeah. Like I lived at home at the time, so I have bills, but it's like my entire paycheck would be gone in uh, like a matter of days. So it's like just all on drugs. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was not good. What, how did you like kind of skirt away from like, like how did you guys all like, like teachers, parents, like how was it noticed by anyone? Like how did you guys kind of hide that if it was, you so know? So <clears throat> I wasn't in school, so I didn't have like any teachers to really right. during that stage. Mm -hmm. um, and then my coworkers and stuff, Everybody that worked at my um, Wendy's, they all dealt heroin and did it too, so nobody cared. Um, okay. My dad. You just wear a lot of makeup and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't in a makeup phase too. Like, yeah. I've always been a functioning <clears throat> addict. Like, I still went to my full time yeah. job. I still wore makeup. <laughs> like, I'd still, like, I played softball. Like, I'm very good at self functioning in normal life. Mm -hmm. I think it's because, like, on an episode before, the masking, mm -hmm. I think we're so good with just putting on a mask in the front that I'm okay. That too, and, and I feel like if you grow up in a stressful home environment, yeah. like with a parent that's emotionally unsafe, then you, that's like your normal. So like yeah. feeling in a constant state of, yeah. you know, with that, it probably was just like, okay, well, you probably had a high tolerance to discomfort. So yeah, that's, that's my Makes thought. total sense. Yeah. I think like not being home too, because I was not home a lot. <coughs> I would literally go get up in the morning, go to work. And then I'd come home, like change and leave. Like I was not home enough really yeah. for my dad to really even notice. I think he probably just thought she's being a teenager. She's right. going to hang out with her friends. Which is normal. Yeah. It's a normal thing. For yeah. He did nothing think. wrong. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like him, if he would have tried to like restrict <clears throat> me and like put rules and like, you can't do this, you can't do this. I'm taking away your car. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would have just made it worse. Oh, and definitely. I definitely think it would have made me snowball. And I mm -hmm. definitely don't think I'd be where I am today because I had to learn those lessons in order to be in the position I am. Yeah. And I feel like, like he let you just figure it out. Almost yeah. Cause with limits, obviously all of my friends, parents that tried to force them into rehab and tried to force them into like change or the law, like mm -hmm. when they get in trouble and go to prison and jail, they were being forced to do these things. And yeah. so I feel like that made them rebel more against it and they didn't want to change. But for me, I luckily never had to deal with any law enforcement issues. I never got like charges. I never had like my parents trying to control me, send me to rehab. I never went to rehab. I just had a moment that made me realize that what I was doing was going to destroy my life and that I deserved better. Yeah. And so it was my decision in my mind to stop. And yeah. I think that that's kind of like one of the main reasons too that we wanted to do this podcast is because I went a lot of years feeling very guilty. And this is why like, I've never talked about this on my platform and I've yeah. always felt like I'm not sharing this with my platform. And I always felt kind of embarrassed by it, but I also felt like people wouldn't necessarily believe me because if you look at me, you're not going to think, yeah, 
She used to be a junkie, huh? Yeah. No, nobody. It's giving junkie. (laughs) Nobody would think that because of where I am today. Mm -hmm. And so I've just always kind of had that survivor's guilt Mm -hmm. of, I don't feel like I can talk about this because I'd have people from my past that would say, oh, well, you never stop heroin. Like you, you never can like just stop. You, you didn't really have an addiction. Your addiction wasn't real. Yeah. And so that got in my head to where I was like, oh shit, like maybe my addiction wasn't real. Maybe yeah. I wasn't as addicted to these people. So I, I can't like talk about a, it. Like, like there's a level. Yeah. Like there's a level. Like there's a competition yeah, between like, who's more addicted. Yeah. Me spending like all my money on this yeah. and like spending all my effort and literally yeah. getting high every day. Yeah, yeah. That's not an addiction. Not at all. It, it is. Yeah. It's just exactly. I <laughs> had the willpower to stop. Yeah. And I think these people are envious of that. Because, oh, 100%. It's a projection. And, yeah. They're, so they're putting me down because I got out of it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can't stop. It's yeah. just your mind. So it's, tell them before we go into that. Yes. What was your moment of like, like kind of explain a little bit about how like the people you were kind of involved with and like how it snowballed into like you stopping. Like my moment. of Yeah. Your moment. Clarity. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is important to say before that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This gives me more like credibility. Yes. Yes. It's you're credible regardless. Yeah. But it's an intense story. Yeah. But so I had got off my my shift and my ex at the time, we were both addicts and we were just like feed off each other and just continue to go down this road of being addicts and enable each other. And so I went to the hotel that he was staying at because he didn't have a home at the time. And um, we were just going to like hang out, get high, whatever. I think it was like a Friday night. And I get to this uh, hotel. It's the sketchiest fucking hotel, okay? The motel sketchiest. <laughs> worse. It's worse, dude. In it's Idaho. Like the haunted so I should have known. Motel. Yeah, literally. Like, it, it was so bad. And so... It's like the Cecil Hotel <laughs> was of Idaho. Like, they had to pay us to stay. Yeah. That's how bad it was. <laughs> and um, so I get there, and there's this sketchy dude there in the hotel with my ex. And What's was, his name? I don't remember that guy's name. Oh, okay. I'm, you're thinking of the <laughs> other, other guy. One. Okay. I forget his name. It was a very normal <laughs> name. It wasn't a nickname like the okay. other ones. It was like, Those are let's funny. call him Freddy. Freddy. Okay. And it was something very normal like that. And okay. so I get in there and I'm like, who's, who's this guy? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I've never seen this man in my life. And he's like, oh, um, I was, I met him yesterday when like I was out on the streets. Um, he's going to help me like flip some stuff so we can get some money, get some dope. And I was like, okay, like whatever you say, if you trust him, I guess like, you're my boyfriend, whatever. <laughs> yeah. If he's going to help us get drugs, let's do it. <laughs> and um, he seemed cool. It's kind of talking to him. And so we're just hanging out and then another guy comes with this girl and I'm, there's just more people that are coming into like the motel room. All right. So there's multiple people in the hotel. You're probably scared. Yeah. There was multiple people that I, I didn't know. Yeah. And so uh, they, they're just coming in and I'm kind of looking at my ex. I'm like, okay, like this is weird. But for me, I saw that there was a girl. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I felt safe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that, that is the way it is, That's but normal. I just felt... Yeah more comfortable mm-hmm. that there was a girl in the mix of all these guys. Yes. Still a little uneasy cause I didn't necessarily know any of them, but yeah. so I kind of like they introduced themselves and one of the guy's names, huge guy, like had to be over like six, four, six, five, 300 something plus pounds. They called him truck. Obviously yeah. that's how gigantic yeah. he was. And they were there. I, I guess that they were friends of the guy that my ex befriended mm-hmm. and they were going to like help us flip the dope to get, money for dope. Right. And so at this time, my ex had been up for days and days and days, strung out trying to get money to get high. And so he's like not in his right mind at all. Um, he's unwell, probably hasn't eaten. He, 
I remember thinking, okay, if anything goes bad, like he's not going to do anything because he can't physically. This mm-hmm. man is deprived of every like water, food, sleep, everything. Like yeah. there's nothing this man can do if anything goes south. So yeah. I'm just going to hope nothing goes bad yeah. and I'm just going to kind of listen to what they say because yeah. I don't need them like getting into altercation because I don't know what's going to happen to me. Yeah. And I can't do anything. I'm like a hundred pounds. Yeah. And so they um, were, they were talking and like doing all this shit in the bathroom. And I remember pulling my ex aside and was kind of like expressed to him. He's like, no, no, it's okay. It's fine. I was like, okay. And we want to get high cause we're like fiending. And right. so truck has basalts and he's like, I basalts. I was like, word. Okay. He gives me a meth pipe. I kind of smoke out of that <clears> and get, he gives it to my ass, my ass, my ex, <laughs> my, it gets my ex high. I didn't really feel anything. So he gives me a shot and I shoot it. That's when I start feeling it. And I was like, dude, the paranoia, please don't ever do bath salts. Anybody. <laughs> <laughs> if you take anything if from you, this podcast, it's just don't let do it be salt. that. <laughs> it was so, I was terrified. The, yeah. like the terror and paranoia. I remember sitting on the bed, just uncontrollably shaking. Like I was so like petrified and scared because I was just in not my element. Yeah. And I had gotten up for whatever reason. And Chuck had like walked behind me and he kind of like brushed past my butt. And I was like, that seemed weird, but we're in a tight hotel room. This man's huge. I'm standing here. It totally was an accident because it wasn't a grab. Right. Okay. That was odd. So I go back and I sit down and just kind of tried to like, not think about it, but again, I'm high on basalt. So I'm like yeah. petrified. I'm like overanalyzing everything. Yeah. And then they had to use the bed to like do something. I think they're like weighing out more drugs or something. So I'm standing up again. He does it again, but this time it's like a grope, like yeah. my entire ass cheek grope, yeah. like big chunk feel. And it was like a hold. And then like a shiver went down my spine when that happened. Cause I was like, this is not a good, like, there's something bad is going to happen. This yeah. is not good at all. And so he's like a shark plane, and, like yeah, just testing it out. Like, exactly, like dude. bumping you yeah. and then, like seeing what yeah. you can get away with. That's yeah. such a good, yeah. Shark. Very predator. Mm-hmm. And so, and I remember he kind of like gave me this like predator look. smirk. Yeah. Like just very, yeah, I can just, I can the see The narcissist it. smirk. Yeah. It that. was scary. And so <laughs> I pulled my ex aside cause they went back in the bathroom and I was like, please don't say anything them but this guy has grabbed my ass two times and he gave me this look and i'm really uncomfortable can we just like pretend like we're gonna get food or something and just not come back because this is not like we're not in a good place and i don't trust it but please don't say anything because i don't know what they're gonna do they're carrying guns they're carrying like it feels like a show yeah it it literally feels like something out of like shameless or something just something (laughs) (laughs) yeah but anyways, I told my ex, don't say anything. Yeah. Two times. I told yeah. him that. And he's like, okay, okay. They you probably didn't even hear it. Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I have no it's idea. Like- and so the guy comes out and he gets in his face and I was like, oh, fucking, here we go. Like, was he like looking up to him like? Basically, yes. <laughs> with his scrawny ass because he had lost like all this. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, what are you going to do? This or man is ran. going to eat you for breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Gonna there's f- three of them. There's... Basically one of us and yeah. I'm the one. You're nothing. <laughs> yeah. One brain cell between Literally. two of us. And he starts yelling at him and this man just takes my ex down, just starts like onto the bed, starts beating the shit out of him. The other guy runs out. He jumps on, starts beating the shit out of him. And I'm like sitting there on the bed, like in tears almost, like, holy shit, what's going to happen to me? Like they're going to beat the shit out of my ex. My ex is going to die. Something, I'm going to get traffic. Something's going to happen to yeah. me. Like 
I, I was just terrified. And thank God for the girl that was there. Her name is Pistol. Pistol and truck. Dude, Pistol, <laughs> she saved my life. Anyways, like shout out her. She comes out and she kind of breaks it up. They pull him off and they're, they're talking to my ex. Like, what are you doing? Like, what the fuck? What, what, why are you fucked up? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, he's grabbed my girl's ass. And of course, Truck's like, no, I fucking wasn't. Like, she's fucking, she's fucking lying. She's a lying whore. Like, she's a slut. She's making this shit up. She's just fucking high. She's a junkie. I remember them calling me a junkie. And I remember that just like struck a chord in my yeah. head. That might have been like a reason that like made me want to quit. Because I hated being called that. Yeah. And they like convinced my ex that I was lying. And I remember they like asked me and I'm like, I'm not going to fucking argue with them. Like, yeah, I made it up. Like, yeah. I'm, not, when I'm, I'm not stupid. Yeah. And then I remember Truck sitting in the back. And he's just kind of like sitting with his arms crossed and he's just looking at me with that same smirk. It's embedded in my head. Like I, I can see it. Mm -hmm. And like, if I ever see that man again, I'll beat the shit out of him. I'll help you. I swear <laughs> to God, I'll beat the shit I'll, out of him. You know that man. paddle I have in my room? <laughs> yeah, the cop yeah, paddle, I'm the bringing it. The cop paddle from like the 40s. <laughs> <It is> <laughs> my grandpa's cop paddle, I'm bringing it. Getting it over the yeah, head. Yeah, dude. I just remember seeing him in the background just kind of smirking like, I got away with it, you, you fucking thought. And I was like, oh my God, I need to leave. Like, I was... Literally shaking uncontrollably. I was like in tears sitting on the bed. And Pistol comes up to me and she's like, she like grabs my hand. She's sitting on the bed from across from me. And she's like talking to me. She's like, do you like, like, are you okay? And I was like telling her like, no, I'm just like, I'm just unwell right now. And she's like, you don't want to be here. Like, you don't want to be in this life. And if you don't want to be in this life, you need to get out right now. Because if you don't, you're never going to get out. And I remember her sitting there telling me if I need to get out and this is not for me, I need to do it now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, I, that was like the most clear moment I've ever had in that entire experience was this girl sitting there. I didn't even know her. And sh she's explaining to me like, hey, if I wasn't in the position, because it turns out the reason these guys were listening to her, because I was like, how would they just like get off of him? They did. Like, yeah. she's just barking oh, all these orders. She just like, yeah, she's she like doing it. all these things. And her parents, I guess, were like the kingpin right. or something. They were, they were the, like a top dog. And right. so... She like owns these people, and so what she says goes. Brilliant, dude. Yeah, it's like Queen of like, South. <laughs> shout out to her. But yeah. she was like telling me, she's like, if I wasn't in this, I wouldn't be in this. I just yeah. have to be. And if you don't want to be in this, you need to get out. Because like she was like saving herself through you. <laughs> literally, yeah. And like I just remember having that like moment with her. I don't even think she fucking remembers that, but like it just resonated and it yeah. saved my fucking life because I was like, dude, you're so right. Yeah. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. In a sketchy motel room, it is four in the goddamn morning. Like, what am I doing yeah. here? Like, why here? am I smoking basalts? Like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Like, no, it just, it just, it, I realized like this is not what I want to do. And so, I, I thought the night was over, but then Truck was like, "Y'all need to take me somewhere." And like, they're packing, they have guns and shit, and I'm the only one with the fucking car, of course. So my ex and I. We had to get in my car and we had to drive him to some house. He's sitting behind us, obviously packing. And I'm like, what, what if we die? What if he shoots yeah. us? Like, terrified. Yeah. I, I thought, like, the worst was over and it wasn't. And so he makes us drive him to a couple houses. And literally every house, I look at my ex and I'm like, can we please leave and go? Like, you have yeah. nothing in that hotel room. Can we just leave him here? Yeah. And he's like, no, we have to stay. And I'm like, because this guy was so concerned about getting high and getting drugs that not only did this guy put me in that position, something, I could have been sexually assaulted, I could have been kidnapped, I could have been killed, anything yeah. could have happened. But he's still making me drive this man around to do whatever the fuck he's doing in these homes. These dark houses that I don't, 
I don't even want to know what was happening. Yeah. Being held at like gunpoint. Yeah. Like, oh, how are you putting me in that position? Because you just want to get high. And it just, the whole time I was like, dude, this is, this man put me in such a bad position and mm. I can't even blame him because I also put myself in this position. So right. I need to rethink my entire, who I'm surrounding myself with. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I letting these people in my life that this is not yeah. what I deserve? And it's so like self-reflect. Yeah. Like, what, how, <laughs> like, how did I get why here? Why is this my crowd? <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah. And so we ended up taking him <laughs> to this like fast food place and he made his park on the opposite side of the parking lot. And then his friends in the car were on the other side. I remember he like he got out and was pointing at the car and they're all laughing and shit. Cause obviously he's making a mockery of it and like saying, Oh, I made making this bitch and this guy fucking drive me around to do all this shit. And like I fucking got to grope her and they and beat him up. And beat him up. And like then they think that she's a crazy lying bitch and blah, blah, blah. And then we we take him to like some trailer that he was staying at. And I remember earlier in the night he had told my ex, I like your shoes. This man gets out of the car and he's like, hey, what size shoe are you? My, my ex says, I don't know what's fucking size 11 or whatever it was. And then he's like, take your shoes off. My ex takes his fucking shoes off and gives it to this man. And this man walks away just laughing. So my ex it's doesn't have any psychopath. Dude, he was a psycho. Yeah, like, this man even, was psychotic. Like, so, yeah, it's, like making us like I'm crying. I'm terrified. I'm literally like 17 years old. Yeah. Like, you did this to a 17-year-old. And, like, got off on it. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, I hope nothing but bad for that man. Because that is so... Looking back at it now, I'm like, I... Though it's, like, evil. Yeah. Like that's, that's Honestly, that would be considered sadist, sadistic. Yeah. When you, it's, it's a very simple definition. Like, if you enjoy someone's pain, that's sadistic. So that's sadism. So that's what it was. And yeah. And that's evil. So yeah. I'm sorry I had to be a part of that. That's... It Horrible. Is I it can is. imagine his face is like ingrained. Like, Dude, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like one of those people that's like months. I had nightmares brain. about it for months after Ugh. that. I would always like wake up because I have sleep paralysis. Yeah. And I would wake up okay. and it would just be like, it would feel like I was just staring at him for hours in my sleep. And he would just haunt my nightmares. But it, it was I mean, like it a has blessing in years, disguise because I feel like that scared you so badly. Scared straight. Like, like, yeah. And then for days, so when you do bath salts, you can't sleep. And so my ex, he'd been up for like a week. So he passed out in my car. We went to a park for like, I think it was like two days. I couldn't sleep. I was just sitting there crying. I just want to go home so bad. But I, I couldn't just go home and be like, hey, dad, I'm high on basalt. Yeah. <laughs> I have my, <laughs> my, my strung out ex in the car. He's not waking up. I don't know what to do with him. He's homeless. Like, I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. So I was just sitting there. But like, it gave me some time to be like, what the fuck? I never want to do this. It was the longest couple of days of my life, but it was so good for me to go through because like, it just showed me, this is what you're going to be doing. You're yeah. going to be living in your car up for days with sketchy people in a hotel yeah. room and probably live a very short life. Yeah. Like, yeah. With that some lifestyle that doesn't, doesn't give a shit about me. Yeah. 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 So it, it was a good thing. And I remember I had a conversation with my ex a couple days later after he had woken up and I like went home and whatever. And I told him, I was like, I'm never doing this again. I'm getting clean. I'm done with this. I'm done with this lifestyle. And I literally told him, I was like, you would have done nothing. You couldn't have done anything. Yeah. If shit, if they would have started coming at me, you would, you couldn't even defend yourself. Yeah. Like you obviously, <laughs> yeah, you got the shit kicked out of you after you hit him one time and he beat the shit out of you. Like you would have done nothing. And I can't be, I matter more than that and I have to yeah. put myself first and I yeah. told him I was like I'm getting fucking clean like 
I hope that you can get clean. Like, we can do this. At first, he agreed. But it wasn't his decision. And mm-hmm. that's, like, the whole point is leading back into that. You right. have to make a decision in your own mind that you want to stop. Because if it's not your decision, you're not going to stop. Mm-hmm. I had plenty of times that I could have stopped. But, like, I didn't really want to. Yeah. Because you hadn't hit rock bottom. No, I yet. had it. Yeah. That was you my rock bottom. You have to hit it. Like, you either have to hit it or you have to get so fucking terrified of, like, I, I saw my future of yeah. what was going to happen. And that's what made the switch in my brain. Instead of letting the drugs dictate what I was going to do, my own, I decided what I want to do. Like, yeah. this is, I'm going to stop. Not The drugs are not going to control me anymore. And I think with any addict, it they love to say, I can't stop. It's an addiction. It's a disease. That's the narrative this country's. It, it is. It's, it's it's you start hair and everyone knows if you do heroin once, you you're never gonna stop. It's any drug. Meth, and that heroin. enables people to I almost feel like it's enabling. It's like Dude, they want that. They, that's yeah, exactly they want you what addicted. they want that. <laughs> like, have y'all ever seen Conspiracy, Snowfall yeah. about when cocaine comes into the country? They're mm-hmm. literally feeding it to us. Yeah. They're giving us the drugs. They yep. want us addicted. If they didn't want us, I'm gonna get canceled for saying this. If they didn't want us to fucking not have a drug problem, there would not be a drug problem in this country. That's true. Like, well, the government it, wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, no, they yes, would. They fucking would. And honestly, we'll go into conspiracy theories like, another time. They're they're telling us like, oh, not like you'll get addicted. You're never gonna like you're never gonna stop trying yeah. to scare us. But it's telling the addict you're never gonna stop. So why try? Yeah, you get to be a victim. Be yeah, a victim. Exactly. Exactly. Because you can stop. Yeah. I fucking stopped, and I yeah. never until I moved to Austin. I never <clears throat> ever ever met another person that had survived from a heroin addiction in my life. And that's why I had such survivor's guilt because I felt like it just made me feel even more like maybe I wasn't addicted because I'm the only one out here. I'm the only one that's like survived this. So maybe they're right. Maybe that this is not, I just wasn't addicted until I moved here. And there's two other people that I've met that have survived it. And like, dude, my fucking hat goes off to them. Like it is the hardest thing. And it is like, it is lonely because there's not a lot of people that can get clean. Yeah. And, and you just see people like dying. And yeah. Like all my friends are dead in jail. Like, and they they were young. We were kids. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's terrifying. And like, I just wish that people would like actually use, cause the human mind is so powerful. Yeah. You can manifest anything you fucking want. And if you just decide in your mind and you genuinely want to get clean and you believe in that more than anything, <clears throat> You can stop. Yeah. Like it sucks ass. Yeah. Withdrawing sucks ass. And like trying to not trying to build habits because like yeah. all you know is like, I'm um, going to get high, yeah. but like you have to replace it with other things. And for me, it was the gym. And I just, her villain error, I her, li- villain story, <laughs> her villain story, whatever it is. <laughs> I literally just replaced my drug addiction with a gym addiction. Yeah. And that was what I fell back on. It started with just me. I'd go to the gym and I'd run because I used to do track. Mm. I'd go and I'd run for 45 minutes. I'd run for an hour. And then I started getting into weight training. But that was what I fell on was that. And then also, this is silly, makeup. Like I would watch makeup tutorials. It's artistic. Yeah. Yeah. I would just like go to Sephora. And instead of spending my whole paycheck on drugs, it was makeup. Makeup, yeah. I would just go and buy all this makeup and I'd go to the gym. I got a new job. Like, yeah, it was, that was my outlet. And that was what kept me busy with not thinking about, and trust me, dude, like when you stop, it's not like you stop and you never think about it again. Like I still to this day have thoughts. Like they're not as frequent. It gets easier, but like 
And there were times that I did relapse. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie. I relapsed two times. But I remember the one time I had overslept for my job and my manager called me. Because, like, when you come down from heroin and you sleep, dude, nothing wakes you up. Like, you are, yeah. you sleep. Like, it is hard to, like, I don't oversleep my alarms ever. Yeah. And I overslept and I missed my shift and I called her. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm coming in right now. It was like an hour and a half after my shift. And she's like, don't even bother. And I was like, I'm going to lose my fucking job. Like, yeah. I was so fucking scared. I was crying. And like, I just, I was like, I'm never going to do this again. I did it one more time. But what was the moment with that one? Like, what was like, because that was obviously the final time. Like, what was, how did that solidify? Like, what? The one after that? Yeah. Like, your final relapse. I had gone over to my friend's house that I'd used to do drugs with. And I remember just seeing it had been like a year and a half, two years. And I remember seeing that he was living the exact same way he was. I had already bought a home. I had already like, like started new hobbies. (laughs) Yeah. Started new hobbies. Like I'd got a new job. I had my own car and like, he was older than me by like four years and he's still living in his parents' basement and doing drugs and has no job. And I was like sitting there and I'm like, why am I here? Like, this is exactly why I left it. And the reason that I went over there to begin with is because I just like had gone through like some, I had like broken up with like, I had my, my bad ex that we used to get high with, but then there was Mm -hmm. like a couple other boys after that. And I just don't have good luck with men. And it was like the third situation ship. And it just like, it didn't work. And I was just like at a really low point because I was like, dude, I can't find like another relationship. Like, and I just felt just, I was just not in a good place mentally either. I was really depressed. I think I was, this is right before I dove into bodybuilding. Okay. And I was going to the gym, but it wasn't bodybuilding. And so I was kind of like lost, I guess, again, I just kind of like lost my way. And when I got home, I was so sick. I remember getting the dope sick and I just felt awful. It's worse than hangover. It's terrible. And just thinking, okay, that's, I just, why am I doing this? The high isn't even worth it anymore. Like the come down sucks, the dope sick sucks. And then looking at like my friend and that friend actually recently died. Like I think like a year ago, he overdosed. Damn dude. Yeah. That's another one. Yeah. And then this past couple weeks, I wasn't like friends with her, but you knew her. I knew her. Yeah. We went to school together. We're in the same grade and she relapsed and died. Like didn't it, she, you said she got out of jail, I think prison prison for a long time. For, and then she just she got on immediately relapsed. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that's why people, when you, like when you said earlier, said people that are forced into quitting, do you think that's a lot of the times why they do die and relapse is, is because like jail doesn't actually fix the problem. Like they should be in rehab. They should be getting, I don't even rehabilitated. Think rehab like, really. yeah. Or well, yeah. Anything like, because they're not choosing it, they're going to relapse. Like, yes, I think, yes, but I also think when an addict gets out and hasn't done, and this is why I got so dope sick, because you do the same amount that you used to as a like normal everyday junkie. Mm -hmm. If you haven't done drugs for months, like, and you do the same shot that you did, like that's a lot for your body to take all at once. And so I think that's why most of them will overdose because they're not thinking, oh, I've been clean for a year and a half. Uh, maybe I should do half the dose. Yeah. They don't, that's not what a junkie is. We don't yeah. think like that. We're like, oh, yeah, that's what I used to do and I'll be fine. Yeah. No, like that's, you're going to die. You don't have tolerance anymore. Yeah. And so I think that's why. 
But I think leading them to that point, yeah, I just don't think that they have made that decision in their mind that they want to stop. Yeah. Because it's the system that just drills it in your head that like if you don't, if you start it, you're never going to stop. And it just, it gives them an excuse. If you take that away, what are you going to fall back on? Because you don't want to think that like you're the piece of shit. But that's what you have to realize when you're an addict that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You need to stop. You are literally the, the scum of the earth. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't, if you take that out of it, like, oh, I'm like, I, I once I do heroin, I'm never going to stop. Take that out of it. You just have to look at yourself. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you can stop. Yeah. You're just choosing not to. You're creating a reality of, exactly. that's your narrative. And, and you whatever you tell yourself. Yeah. Whenever you yeah. want to. Exactly. And that's what they need to like, more people need to talk about that. Yeah. Because you can't stop, but you need to make that switch in your own head. I'd never heard that until I met you, honestly. I always, I went by that narrative of like, oh, you've done heroin. Okay, you can't stop. Like, Yeah. Because there's no, either people don't want to talk about it, one, I'm an example of that, mm-hmm. or they genuinely don't get out of it because I have not met that many people that have actually quit. Yeah. And it's because of that narrative. Yeah. Probably. And like, it's sad. And I wish that we could change that as a society, like, and make it more known about how powerful your mind is, even at your most vulnerable state, like being an addict and addicted, you can stop something, but it has to be your decision. You just have to mentally put every ounce of effort that you have into that. Yeah. It's almost like you're lying to yourself in a sense, like saying like, I'm not an addict. I'm, I'm stopping. I'm not Mm. an addict. Like delusional, be delusional about everything. Tell (laughs) yourself that you're never going to do it again. Yeah. And like, just tell yourself that while you're coming off, you feel like shit, you're throwing up, you can't eat. Just tell yourself that you're just sick. You're sick. Don't say you're withdrawing. Don't say you're just say you're sick. Don't tell your brain. It's because you're coming off drugs. Cause then your brain is going to say, okay, but like, then let's go get drugs. If like we're feeling the shitty, the cure is drugs. Yeah. No, just tell yourself that you're just sick. You had food poisoning or something. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just sick. I just need to get through these first couple of days. And it's just a couple fucking days. Yeah. Like I would rather go through a couple of days of being sick as shit and then be free of a drug addiction than like, than not and, and, and die from <laughs> yeah. drugs. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's just, I, yeah, I've never understood that logic, but I think, and this like kind of going to school for it was kind of what made it click. Um, but it's to me, I see that there is a, and this is just, it's not, it's an opinion, but, um, like people who do drugs have um, like trauma, like they're not able to cope with reality like at all. So it's like to choose to stop doing drugs is to also have to choose to address the reason you started drugs, which is trauma. Um, and the problem with that is that this country stigmatizes trauma. And so as a result, like, do you think anybody actually wants to be homeless? No, but people who are homeless are a lot of times they have drug problems and people that have drug problems have trauma. And so the problem is the stigma because we're judging these people and, you know, of course, like you said, it, it is scummy because you after listening to the things you've gone through, those people are very scummy. But I think it starts with addressing that first, making trauma normal, like 100%. giving people resources. Like if you we need to change it to if we see somebody with a drug problem, that means they're they're going through something severe. There is something yeah. so severe in their background that they're not able to cope with reality. And that's the humanity of it. You know, like there's still a person in there unless they're a psychopath like truck. 
then they're not a person <laughs> and he can literally die. Literally but um, like, <laughs> but like, die a thousand deaths. Yeah. Hate but like guy. when I see like somebody that's homeless and you know, they're older, like a woman, like especially in Austin, there's a lot of homeless people. But like when I look at them, you can see it in their eyes. Like there's just pain there, you know? And yeah. What people don't understand, and this is the thing that irritates me. I've lived in like an area that's very rich. Um, I used to live in Fort Lauderdale, and the way that people speak about homeless people there is disgusting to me because a lot of the times when you haven't gone through anything, you don't understand how hard it is to live in a reality when you've, you know, when you have been in a survival mode your whole life. You know what I mean? If you've never had parents that were abusive, if you've never been, um, you know, if you've never grown up grown up in a toxic environment, um, there are so many things that people can be put through at a young age that make it unbearable to face reality as an adult. And if you don't have a parent that can coach you into life successfully, of course they're going to turn to drugs. They don't have anything. They don't have family. They don't have, they didn't learn how to, their brain didn't develop properly. It didn't develop properly. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it sucks to see that certain people with like so much privilege to, to live a good life could look at somebody like that and not even feel like, wow, like, you know, maybe, get, I don't know, just like, we need to give people more resources is what I'm saying. Like, and stop that narrative of like, you can't quit. Oh, you're a junkie. And like, you know, gross. Like, yeah. Except for truck. Like I said, people like truck <laughs> literally, like I'm, I'm not throwing everybody in that category, but like, I think that's the problem is yeah. we need to see it as a trauma problem, not a drug problem. Who wants to, who wants to just shoot heroin? <laughs> no one yeah, do you think you grow point. up in a normal family and just go shoot heroin one day no no you don't it's you literally go through that shit. come from yeah. traumatic yes backgrounds or experiences mm -hmm. or they like something had to have pushed them to that point yeah. because it's pain like, like i'm sure dave is not gonna go shoot up heroin no <laughs> <laughs> like he no he no like but, grew up in a solid household but like people that go and shoot heroin mm -hmm. have had something that have yeah. pushed them to that point Addiction is just and it's just yeah. pain that you can't cope with. That's I think with my like mix of my shoulder issues mm -hmm. and like having that kind of start me on the track of that, but also growing up with my childhood with my mom yep. and like that, I'm not blaming her necessarily, but I think the trauma and like just I had to grow up really fast and I think it kind of took away my being a kid. Yeah, and I think that maybe Definitely. turning to drugs was like my time to like. I don't know, have fun and like, well, not even have fun. I think you just weren't able to cope with how painful it actually well, that, was, that too. you know, yeah. cause you have, when you're surviving a narcissistic parent, a toxic parent, whatever it is, you aren't allowed to feel anything that doesn't cater to their emotional needs. So it's like, you had to shove all that down and then of course you're going to turn to drugs. Like you don't, yeah, that dynamic was probably so confusing for you and, and yeah. so painful. And that's not the way that a mother or any parent should be. You're supposed to be nurtured. You're not supposed to be terrorized. So, yeah, you know, 100%. it's I can see where that kind of just turned, you know, yeah. but it just goes to show like you had a you had a painful background. And and that was everybody that, was what it went. that my whole circle of friends that I used to get high with and do drugs with, they all all of them had some type of background some type of trauma they had gone through something whether they came from broken homes or mm -hmm. just like maybe they had like ADHD or bipolar or like autism or something that they just like and the school system kind of shunned them or whatever it yeah. is I think I I also had that like the school system kind of shunning me for like my different ways of learning oh, yeah, and feeling yeah. like an outcast Definitely. and like not being accepted by people mm -hmm. and not having a but like being popular or anything I think that also kind of contributes to 
their addiction because every single person, none of them were normal. Yeah. They all had something. Some that, sort of. Yeah. Some type of sprinkle of, of something. Yeah. yeah. Like it, they weren't a Mental normal, or something. like yeah. the kids that were playing like football and like all the top level jock kids, yeah. none of them were shooting dope with us no. in the car. So yeah. I mean, and it's like, it's, <laughs> it's easy to sit there from that kind of position, like as a higher up, you know, like normal background and be like, you know, yeah, but it's like, like look down on people, but it's exactly. like, you have no idea. Like you don't go home and wonder what it's going to be, you know, like yeah. you don't, you don't have to wonder which version of your parent you're going to get that day. Like, yeah. or if, you know, they're even going to pay attention to you or, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just emotional neglect. And like you said, like ADHD, like if you're not medicated and I've seen this a lot in Florida, um, and just as really in Florida, but like people who <laughs> are like unmedicated ADHD and they've got that trauma background too, they turn to like cocaine because yeah. cocaine is just like Adderall. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's like, you're getting that dopamine and then they're addicted to it. So it's like, and like, or you can get addicted to coke. Yes, you can. You can get addicted to that dopamine hit. Like, yeah. yes, you, I've, especially I've if you have people. ADHD. Cause yes. like, I remember you're, are doing, you lacking? Like, like I realized that I had ADHD when everybody was doing Adderall for fun and I actually felt normal. Yes. And I was like, Oh, this is weird. Like I should be having fun like them. Yeah. And then like doing cocaine, I can be very normal and have done an entire eight ball of cocaine and you wouldn't notice because yeah. I, it just stimulates me and I feel normal. Yeah. It's like, it brings you up to the level that I'm supposed to. Right. Be. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why people do it. Like, you know, if you can't get prescribed Adderall, it's like, well, that's, it cocaine. gives you the same feeling essentially. It does. You know? it, so it's it, like, it, it's a little bit more intense, yes. but it's basically the same feeling. Mm, that concentration, that yeah. focus that you get. Yeah. It's, it's, and I you think, can see why it's addictive. Like, I really think that even though other drugs, like even the painkillers and stuff, they're like downers. So they're not necessarily going to help with like your ADHD. But I feel like the reason that I could, cause I've talked to like authority. I've talked to parents all well high as fuck, Yeah, but nobody has suspected a thing. And I think this might be why with my dad, he didn't know. Cause I could, I can talk and be normal and nobody would notice. Yeah. But I think it's because I'm just so my brain can just control Mm-hmm. And it's the masking, but I also yeah. think that like that stimulates like our brains and how they function. If we mm-hmm. do have ADHD, like having yeah. some type of substance that stimulate, cause it yeah. brings us up. Like you said, the dopamine, it brings yeah. our dopamine up cause you're high. I mean, that's why a lot of people like who don't get into that stuff. They like most people I know, probably every, every person I know with ADHD smokes weed. Like I don't. That except for you, except for you, except <laughs> for you. Anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, everybody else that I know, like they, and I think that's, you know, kind of the reason it, it mellows out that part of your brain. That's just so zigzaggy, you know? Yeah. Um, 100%. but yeah, so well, like, that is my long story. Yeah. But um, it's very inspirational. Like, you know, I did not know that about you and I think that's, you know, I'm sorry that you had to that you felt like you had imposter syndrome with your, <laughs> and I met her too. I remember when, I, when she told me about this, she was like, I was like, why haven't you shared this with anybody? Like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. she's like, well, I don't, I don't think it's that serious. Like I've only, I was only addicted for two years. I was like, <laughs> can we run that back? And like, <laughs> yeah, no cat was like, dog, like, what do you mean? Like you were shooting heroin. Like, yeah. That's a drug addiction, yeah. bro. Like when she told me that, I, thought she, I was like, so you're addicted to Coke, right? She's like, Oh no. (laughs) I was like, Oh, you're alive. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, literally no cat. She, I have to give her a shout out. Cause she's like pulled me, not pulled me, but she's like really 
like hyped me up and just like inspired me to talk about this because I've never I've always wanted to, especially like on Instagram and on my platforms. I've always like wanted to do it, but I've always felt like, why would I start now if I haven't? Mm -hmm. I just feel like that at this point, people are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't you tell us at the beginning? Like, you're fucking fake. Yeah. Like, why are you? But like, you have to share your darkest secrets. Yeah. But I always just felt like, like, why would I say it now? Or I'd always feel like I'm going to lose out on sponsorships or I'm going to lose out on like, people are just going to look at me different and think I'm some junkie. And it's like, I've been clean since what? 2016. Yeah. Like, I I, I think I'm I'm good at this point. Like, I haven't touched heroin in like. Well, it's a stigma again of thinking like. Yeah. Instead of seeing like someone who's strong and has clearly not only conquered like a. A drug addiction but also whatever the pain was behind that yeah they just see oh you're a junkie yeah like and that's another no. thing we need to change with society <laughs> yeah. is looking at somebody and when you learn that about them thinking about them as a lesser person yeah thank because you. i was like i was like oh my god you're that's amazing like i was <laughs> so inspired i was like oh my god we need to get you on a stage immediately Dude, yeah <laughs> she literally was we need to find someone we gotta call somebody i don't know who Dude, we gotta was. call california and Dude, that was up. like one of the reasons for the pod though and then like hearing your story which we're gonna get into that one in a later episode hopefully next episode yeah, definitely i'm dying for you to tell people yeah. but that was like a main reason that we were like we should start the pod because i feel like our backgrounds are traumatic but it would make people like feel normal and it's like rags to riches yeah like and like you see where we come from to now like you can conquer and get through whatever it is you're going through like it is not the end of the world and whatever you've gotten yourself into or whatever that you were born into or whatever society's put you into Mm -hmm. you can get out of that yeah but like it's the power of your mind yeah your mind you have to decide in your head what you want to do and do it yeah create a new reality exactly pretend you're already living it yeah like when you're coming out of your addiction, you just tell yourself every single day you're not addicted to drugs. You're just sick. You're just sick. It's going to get better. Yeah. I'm going to go to the gym or find a different hobby if it's not the gym, like whatever, if it's chess or whatever you want to get into, like just put all the effort that you were doing trying to get money to get drugs into something else. Yep. You got to distract your brain. You have to, you have to you stop have thinking to about say, it. Like, like I, the first year after I was better and not sick, Dude, I was going to festivals. I was going <laughs> to the gym. I was running around buying makeup. I was shopping. I was literally anything and everything I could possibly be doing, I was always doing yeah. because I was constantly trying to stay busy because you have to distract your mind because as soon as you don't, you're going to start thinking about it, but you can't obviously keep yourself busy 24-7. So when mm-hmm. that happens, you need to d- like sit down, be okay with it. Okay, I'm having these thoughts. But I had a note in my pocket on why I didn't want, I did this when I quit cigarettes too. Why, pros and cons. Mm-hmm. The pros was, there was absolutely nothing. <laughs> it was uh, a <laughs> 0.52 seconds of being high. Great feeling. Heart. And then there was like a million reasons why yeah. I did not want to do that. I would refer to my note. I hope truck was on that list. <laughs> truck like, I'm like the, X through he's, it. <laughs> he's living rent free in my brain right now. Like I need someone to, we need to track him down. <laughs> I need his government name immediately. <laughs> He's honestly probably dead by now. God, I hope so. I'm I sorry. I would too. never wish that on anybody. But, no, but he's he's a piece of shit. On him, I yeah, yeah. respectfully. Yeah, but also shout <laughs> on him because I'm clean now and oh, he's yeah. probably not. So oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope he sees you on the stage. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I had a fucking list of pros and cons, and I would just read through the pros. I get to like number two, and I was like, okay, you're right. Like I don't, mm. I just don't want to do that. It's not worth it. And I would just refer to the list all the time. I'm I lost it at some point, and I'm really mad. I wish I kept it still, mm-hmm. but. Just, 
Just like little things that you can like do to distract your mind. Yeah. Like, or when I used to have a bad cutting problem, I had a little silly band. And anytime I think about that, I would snap my wrist. I've seen that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You could do something like that. Just anything to distract your mind from whatever you're thinking, whether it's self-harm, addiction, Mm -hmm. anything negative that you're trying to get away from, you need to find something. Or dude, I would go to the fucking gym. Sometimes I go to the gym twice a day. Like if I'd immediately start being like, I want to get high, but I'm yeah. going to the gym instead. Different kind of pain. Yeah. Good kind uh, of pain. Yeah. I'm going to go run on the treadmill for 45 yeah. minutes straight and see how fast I can go. Yeah. And that's like the pain that you'd be craving, you know, you get that. Or hit. I'd go get another tattoo. Hence why I'm covered in tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hence why I got all my <laughs> tattoos in like the first two years. Cause yeah. I'd be like, Oh, I really want to go get high, but I'm going to get a tattoo. That's what I've heard people. <laughs> I saw somebody say that they're like, Oh, like what did you do instead of self harm? It was like get tattoos. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's the same feeling. It's great. Yeah. But yeah, like, and you've got a high pain tolerance. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. So anything that you can do to just distract yourself, yeah. like just and eventually that. you want to be able to actually get through the pain instead of like finding ways to, like healthily self harm. I don't want to say, but like, yeah. you know, actually putting just put it that energy into something positive. Yeah. Instead of like, instead of like I'm going to, you know, I'm doing yeah. this because I'm in pain. Like it's like you take that pain and you actually heal. And yeah, I completely understand that. Like it's. Like I probably takes should a have while. gone to therapy or something. And yeah. honestly, I wish I would have. Cause I really do. Like I just kind of got through it and just put everything to rest. and was just like, it is what it is. I'm happy with life. I've come to terms with it. I'm not going to fight it. And I really didn't think of anything until I actually met you and you kind of put things together. And I was like, Oh wow. I had like a come to Jesus moment. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Why things are the way they are. And I never yeah. really like, sought help or talked about it. I just kind of dealt with it in my own mind. And mm-hmm. just after a couple of years, I just realized that there's no reason dwelling on it. I'm just going to, and it, yeah. it is what it is. And so I don't think about it anymore, but talking to you, I feel like that would have just given me clarity a lot faster instead of like fighting the demons constantly and wondering why, why are things this way? Why is it this? Why is it that? Yeah. But yeah. So therapy or talking to somebody that can help. Yeah. Like a different set of eyes. Yeah. Like outsider's perspective. And another thing, when you're, if you're trying to quit drugs, I went and I confided in my dad. I like confided in somebody that I could trust mm-hmm. and I just told him everything. Yeah. And like, I feel like that helped me kind of air everything out. And I felt like I wasn't carrying this weight on my shoulder anymore, but I also like have such a really good relationship with him that I did not want to let him down by going back again. Yeah. So like being able to come clean and tell everybody that it's almost like sometimes when I announce a show, I don't, I want to do everything I can to do that show because I've already told everybody I did it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have to now yeah. I can't, what am I going to go back and say? Like, Oh, Never mind. I didn't do it. I relapsed. <laughs> no, like I, yeah. I literally, I told him and, and I told him I'm going to stop. So it's like, I have to, Yeah. I have no choice. I can't just go back on my word. Yeah. But like tell him that. And then at the same time, it. I genuinely believed I was going to stop. Yeah. So, cause people junkies all the time say, Oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Yeah. stop. My ex did that to me all the time, but you genuinely have to believe it. And you have to confide in someone that you don't want to like let down. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just keeps you accountable. Yeah. Keeps you so like motivated. It's to another sure. pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably like knowing somebody cares about your sobriety and like yeah. cares about your life and your state of mind just just overall you know i think that's more motivating than a lot of people who don't have anybody that cares about them at all and of course they wouldn't stop you know so i'm really glad you had somebody that helped you like stay on track with that and pull through i mean he didn't even like 
he just listened. Yeah. Like he didn't. No judgment. Like, no. Yeah. He was just more so curious. Just like, yeah. well, what did it feel like? Or like, why? Bath salts. <laughs> I don't Does know. That, if, is that Epsom salt? <laughs> Are you snorting Epsom salt? I don't salt? know if he knows about that part. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> he will now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dad. Uh, Wait, you mentioned it earlier. I know, I know. Okay. I just don't think I've ever told him that. I've okay. never told him that story before. Here's I've never Dad, really, I hope you're okay. <laughs> I've never told anybody that story, really. Really? No, because it's so traumatic. And yeah, again, I just I'm felt like nobody would believe me. I just, I just, because it literally That's felt like horrible. a movie. That's horrible. It's literally horrible. Felt so unreal. As I was living it, I'm like, am I pinch me? Like, what is yeah. happening? Like, how is this a real thing? Like, this does not happen in real life. Yeah. You can't make those details up, though. No, like, it's just. I can vividly, I could take you back to the hotel room. I could take you to the area that we dropped him off. Like I could take you to that fast food place. Like I could literally. It just lives room free in your brain. Yeah. Like it was vivid. Anybody that knows Idaho is at the cabana downtown, that motel. And then we went to garden city on Chinden. That's where the trailer parks were and the food, fast food place. The trailer parks. Trailer parks. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just, yeah, it was the last on the top floor. It was the farthest room on the right. I can imagine why that's so. <laughs> it's core yeah, memory. It was it was traumatic, but it's my story. So, well, I'm glad that I could share on this platform. And proud I of you for sharing. Thanks. And I think that's going to touch a lot of people. And you know, again, we wanted her to share this because I think a lot of people have what's known as learned helplessness, which mm. is you tell yourself a narrative that limits the thing your potential and the things you are capable of doing um, and everybody does it we all have a limit that we think we have and you don't and that proves that your mind is your strongest asset or it can be your worst enemy so it's what you choose and at the end of the day you decide if you're a victim or not and 100%. that's a, that's a hundred percent like there's no there's no excuse. I mean, really. No, like, because it all comes back to you. Yes. And like your this society is brain. so used to being like, oh, it's okay. Like yeah. sugarcoating shit. And like, no, dude, like it's you. It's, yeah. it's all your fault. Yeah. You got yourself. Yeah. Nobody took the needle and put it in your fucking mm-hmm. arm. Okay. Yeah. Nobody did. Now. And with that, it's yes, it is entirely your fault. Yeah. But, and I think too, like. I was telling somebody this earlier, like you have to give yourself grace for the reasons you got yourself Oh, 100%. There. Yeah. Like but you, you have, have to, to be, be okay with it that you decided to get yourself yes. there. But like you can't point the finger at everybody else. Exactly. But you can acknowledge why it got you exactly. there. Like, okay, this in my background yes. is why I'm so traumatized. Deal with that. You yeah. deal with the trauma, you deal with the addiction. Yeah. So. Because the trauma, you not dealing with your trauma properly is why you got yourself there. Mm-hmm. And instead of being healthy about it and seeking Anything, therapy, anything, talking anything. to somebody, anything 911. at all. <laughs> Not, <laughs> you decided to do drugs instead. Yes. So shame on you for doing that because there's so many other things that you can do. So you need to address that. But also understand that you have things that you need to deal with that maybe were done to you that that's not your fault. Yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah. So it's okay. But yeah. it's not okay for you to be dealing with it yeah. via drugs. Stop like harming yourself further than the people who have harmed you because you're letting them win yeah you're you're literally repeating what they're doing but you're the one doing it exactly and it's like at some point you have to look at the fact that like you're victimizing yourself like yeah and like who everybody looks at somebody that does drugs and is like oh you're gonna be a drug addict forever oh you're gonna Mm -hmm. be this oh you're gonna be that and it's like do you not want to just prove them all wrong yeah that's exactly what i wanted to do yeah and i did just that and now all those people that are Oh, you shouldn't be drug addicts. Oh, you're just a junkie, blah, blah, blah. I guarantee I'm probably 
in better physical, mental, emotional health than all of them are. 600%. Yeah. Like it's just, like I said, the power of the mind. Yeah. It all comes back to that and just deciding that you're going to take yourself out of that situation and being strong enough to do so. Yeah. So that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the power. Of course. I was really nervous no, you had this episode. It. I'm you not even going to lie. I'm like sweating. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm sweating for you. I'm you like, know, oh my, my God. You shouldn't have worn a jacket today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is our episode. And I'm sure Brie would, you know, love if any of you guys have any questions about it or struggle yeah. with it yourself. Like reach out to her and please. You know, I'd love message. to hear like if anybody's like struggled with addiction, got mm. out of it. Like if there's more of you, please. Yeah. <laughs> I would like Reach to know out. that there's sort more of, of us. Yeah. I'll um, host it. And- or if this just like impacted you at all or like gave you the strength to like rethink if you're currently battling addiction. Like yeah. that's all. I just want people to know that like you literally can stop. Like mm-hmm. y- it's so easy. Yeah. It's really not hard. It's hard the first couple of days when you're sick. But after that, just setting yourself up yeah. to get out of it. And yeah. understanding you're going to have thoughts. You're going to like want to rebound. You're going to you feel rebound. the pain of... You're going to... Yeah. yeah. So just, just... And just be ready to like... And I think probably you would agree with this is like when you decide to quit and you start remembering the reasons why you started the trauma, you know, whatever has been... Whatever has given you that pain, you have to sit with it and deal with it. Yeah. Like it's going to... The more you think about it, the less... Com- or the less uncomfortable it becomes, you know, when you 100%. think about something bad that's happened to you, eventually you stop crying, you stop reacting to it, you know, like you're, you have to like work through and desensitize yourself to it and, and just be okay with it. You know, like it's part of your past, but it doesn't have to be a part of your present and future. So that's our speech. And yes. yeah, we're now going to switch. We did forget last week. <laughs> we did. We so about forgot. the song in the book. And I did remember for a second, but then I got distracted again. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give y'all, let me sign. I'm excited. I'm going to give y'all two songs this week because I missed last week. One of them, they're going to be complete opposite type songs. Perfect. So if you do follow me on Instagram, (laughs) you're going (laughs) to probably see this one coming because I shared it. Um, Do not shame me. I talk a lot of shit about country music, but it's called called Love (laughs) You Again by Chase Matthew. Uh, It's a country song. It's so good. I've heard that one. I'll have to listen. (gasps) You're a country goer. I know. So good. Oh, dude. I'm the, like a Tyler Childers girl. The chokehold it has on my life right Wait, now. I followed the artist on Instagram. I love it so much. Really? Yes. I've never even heard so that. It's so good. Okay, I'm going to hear it. Yeah. I'm going to send it to you. It's, it's dude, it's I'm so down. Good. I'm going to put on my playlist. And then <laughs> the other one I got for y'all is uh, Death Row by Young Dolph. What? <laughs> to pull her up. <laughs> I don't know what I've that means. I've jamming in my car to like these two songs. It's like country and then Young Dolph. Country. Like, yeah. It's about I love shooting that. shit up and fucking. That's so you. Gangbanger shit. And then like some country guy that's sad about a girl and wants to love her like in her little black dress. Oh, I'm going to look that up And then we go back to fucking Young Dolph mm-hmm. about like gangster shit. I've never heard that. I'm definitely looking that up. I'll, I'm going to send you both. Amazing. Um. Okay. So my book. We're making it. We're also trying to do this thing where we stop saying, um, and like it's, it's become difficult, but I feel like, oh, our I cameraman forgot. has really helped us. Yeah. I forgot. I think I we were better this time. I, feel like I we think about that every time, time that I he listen said, to the episode. Our cameraman says we're okay, better this time. Okay. Cause okay. I thought about it in like, la- fuck there. Said it again. <laughs> 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 I don't right. know. All right. So fine. everything's fine. If you guys hear us pausing, we're trying to pause instead of saying, um, so like, basically my book of the week is the sociopath next door. <laughs> Oh, very me by, uh, <laughs> that is very on brand. <laughs> These are the most on brand things. I know. <laughs> uh, it's by Martha Stout. Is it about truck? 
Uh, no, yeah, I think you would really benefit from reading this book. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's basically I believe it's like a I haven't started it yet. I just bought it, but basically this person like, um, fuck, I can't. I don't, okay, I'm just gonna read it. it. Says one in twenty five ordinary Americans secretly has no conscience and can do anything at all without feeling guilty. Who is the devil? You know, truck. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, it's um. I think it's going to be really good and I'll give you guys an update next week, but I would definitely, if you're interested in the mind at all, if, if you're interested in, you know, human behavior, I would definitely check this one out. It Dude, does yeah. help with, um, it sounds fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm pretty excited for it. So I am excited yeah. for it too. So that is the episode guys. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll be unpacking a lot of trauma related things these next few episodes. And yeah, we'll try to sprinkle in some funny yeah, we'll shit here and there. So you, y'all aren't like depressed yeah <laughs> but we hope you learned something that's the point yeah. i think a lot of people don't talk about this so yeah we're, we're normalizing trauma yes yeah so anyway we'll see you guys next week and yeah. have a great week okay bye bye <laughs>